Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is February 3rd, 2023. Welcome to a special edition of Canadian Common Sense, an interview special. This is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. All right, Lewis, I'm not going to ask you how you are because you published a rant this morning where we kind of figured that out. Now, Canada, if you have not listened to Lewis's rant from this morning yet, please hit pause on the show right now and go back and listen to Lewis's rant. It's only about six minutes, but that'll give you some context for our conversation today. So, all right, so um, the big news today, in case you haven't heard Canada, is that Bill C-21, you may have heard that referenced on our show the occasional time because <laughs> Lewis, every now and then, will make sort of a, you know, very, you know, slight reference to the firearms issue. Um, I'm being facetious, but every show or two, Lewis has a, quite a lengthy rant about firearms. It's something he's quite passionate about. And thankfully, we actually managed to get a very special guest on today with to talk about Bill C-21 and what happened today in Ottawa. Uh, he's with the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights, and it's Rod Giltaka. Rod, welcome to Canadian Common Sense. Thanks for having me on, guys. Well, so glad you could make it on such short notice. We definitely appreciate it. It's an important issue. So uh, why don't we start off? Just tell us a little bit about yourself and who the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights is. Well, um, I'm Rod Giltaka. I'm the CEO and Executive Director of the CCFR, otherwise known as the Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights. And the um, the CCFR is, uh, I guess, I don't like talking uh, up our my own organization, but I guess we are the uh, de facto gun lobby in Canada. We, uh, we're an extremely active and hardworking group, and we have... Um, We've made a habit of taking it to the Liberal government for the last seven years that they've been in charge. Um, we do a lot of public relations work. Uh, we do a lot of work uh, during election periods. Uh, we've had more than a few of those since uh, the Liberals took charge. And, uh, and recently, obviously, we've uh, released our big scrap C21 project. And uh, I, I wouldn't uh, dream of taking credit for this, um, this uh, reversal this morning on the two um, important uh, uh, amendments G4 and G46 to Bill C21, but um, I'd like to think we contributed to it. So that's uh, that's who we are and what we do, I guess. Excellent. So now these amendments, um, I actually want to go back to 2020, which is sort of when the Trudeau government decided that guns bad and we have to get rid of them. Now, the Nova Scotia shooting, of course, is what kicked it all off. And that sticks in my mind personally, because, well, A, my daughter's birthday just happened to be the day that that rampage started. And then B, it led to the horrible order in council. Now, by the time C-21 came along and these amendments came along, roughly how many rifles were on the band list, Rod? Well, nobody knows for sure because the overwhelming majority of the firearms that were banned on May 1st, 2020 were non-restricted. So the government um, typically doesn't know where they are unless they were previously registered. Um, and we know that the RCMP have a functioning copy of the old long gun registry. And we know that from High River um, and some other instances as well. And that was preserved either by the RCMP or by a certain uh, individual that, uh, that filed an access to information request just before the ending the Long Gun Registry Act be, uh, received royal assent. So that copy was was not destroyed. It, it lives and it's still in a safe somewhere in Ottawa, apparently. 
Um, but we think somewhere, I guess that's a long, the long response, right, to a very simple question. But I, I think we, we are looking at around half a million individual firearms if we looked at uh, all the different models that were banned uh, on May 1st, 2020. That's insane. So then how many got added when uh, the amendments to Bill C-21 come along? Uh, many more. So millions. We, you know, we think, <clears throat> again, when it comes to non-restricted firearms, we, we don't really know how many firearms there are in Canada. Uh, we think, based on import records and whatnot, somewhere around 21 million. Um, but um, some other estimates are around 14 million. So we don't really know. But when you're talking about the SKS, uh, you're talking about a wide variety of bolt action hunting rifles, um, a wide variety of, of uh, shotguns. The list goes on and on and on. All 50 cals, almost all semi-autos, you know, probably half of the firearms that exist in Canada probably would have been banned had those had C-21 passed with those two amendments in them. Yeah, and, and the... Now, with, but with Bill C-21, it, was, it wasn't even supposed to address uh, rifles and shotguns in the first place, was it? It was supposed to be initially a handgun freeze. Well, yeah, the handgun freeze, it was supposed to ban uh, toys, toy guns that look like guns. It was supposed to ban uh, pellet guns and airsoft. Um, there was the red flag provisions that even women's victims group groups don't like. Uh, it was a failure there too. Um, there was, yeah, there was a lot of stuff in Bill C-21 that get uh, that got thrown in there. And of course, these amendments, we're not done the amendments, by the way. There's still 93 that we don't know about yet that have to go, have to be uh, sorted out and released through the committee. So we don't know what else is coming. Wow. But yeah, that's, it, it was, it's a mess of a bill. The whole thing needs to be withdrawn. Yeah, that's, that's uh, fascinating. I didn't, three other amendments. Um, now, the two that, that were, repealed today g4 and g46 right? right um those were the ones that went after semi-automatic rifles semi-automatic shotguns there were bolt action rifles included in that um they i mean i even heard marco mendicino say that any firearm that was designed to be used in war would be banned now the lee enfield 3 308 was the most popular gun used by the allies in world war one and it's one of the most popular hunting rifles in canada because it is a reliable and accurate rifle um and it, it honestly there is really no difference between like a Lee Enfield 308 and any other 308 bolt action. Yeah. They're, but he, but he said in his interview, I saw, he said it's designed for war. And, I mean, it's the most ridiculous, most ignorant comment uh, that, well, coming from the liberal government, it's the most ignorant comment I've heard this week. Um, but it is, it just goes to show you that the people making the rules don't know what they're talking about. Well, I wouldn't let them off that easy. Like even now, um, Mark Holland, who's the, um, the liberal um, house leader and Mendicino and Pam Damoff and um, Talib Nur Muhammad in <laughs> Vancouver Granville, 
you know, all these people are running around like, oh, we didn't know. We weren't sure. Oh, sorry if we offended anybody. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous. They know exactly what they're doing. Don't yeah. take that for, for a split second that they don't know. They have, we're fighting the government in the biggest lawsuit in Canadian history on behalf of gun owners. And I'll tell you, they have a hundred lawyers at Justice on Spark Street in Ottawa, right? They got a hundred people sitting there, probably more. And so they know exactly the ramifications and effects of every single amendment, every single line of legislation. They're the ones that draft it. Like they know all this stuff. So I just, it is frustrating doing this stuff for a living to look at how naive Canadians can be that like, oh, they don't know what they're doing. It's like, oh yeah, they know exactly what they're doing and they're gaslighting you. So I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not a big fan of being super hyperbolic, but I've never, I've been alive a while, more than 50 years on my way to 60. And I've never seen anything like it. You know, it's, it's, you know, Marco Medicino gets up time after time and says, we're only this don't fall for the, for gun lobby disinformation. We're only banning the AR 15 style rifles. Well, take a look at the 1908 Brazilian Mauser. Anyone can get online, type in 1908 Brazilian Mauser and find a picture of a bolt action rifle that was designed 113 years ago that is was on that ban list on G4, the list that was G46. It's like, is that an AR-15? You know, it's got a fixed internal magazine too, by the way. So yeah. it's, you know, I don't, I don't like ever having them have the opportunity to get off like, oh, we weren't sure what this would do. Like they accused everyone else of lying while they flat out lied to, to Canadians to their face. So that's, you know, for me, that's, that's a, a difficult, a difficult part of it to take. Not only are you a liar, but you're, you're accusing everyone else of being a liar. It's uh, it's quite diabolical. Yeah, it, no, it, very true. But I mean, it, and, and that whole AR-15 thing is, is one thing that has always bothered me from the beginnings, considering that there, there is never, I believe there's only one casualty in Canadian history uh, from, by someone who was using an AR-15 and that AR-15 was, uh, was smuggled into Canada, was used in a drive-by shooting by a gang member. And, uh, and that's the only incident in Canadian history of an AR-15 being used in such a manner. And yet that's public enemy number one. Well, yeah, because of the United States. Right. Yeah. It's all about trying to connect to the United States. See that, you know, at the end of the day, this is an ideological war against people who are independent, people who are especially strong people. Right. It's a war against strong people. And they're like, well, we don't we don't think anyone should have guns but us. Now, how do we do that? Well, we have to scare urban voters into thinking, you know, Rod Giltaka, you know, or or. Lewis or Tony, they got, they got guns. And that's the reason why there's farm related violence in Canada. And the only way for them to make anybody believe that is to connect licensed gun owners to farm related violence, or at least the, the idea of it. And one of the techniques they use is to just connect us to the United States, make people think that, that the CCFR is the NRA and we want no regulation and everybody gets machine guns and all the, it's, it's just, it's completely absurd. So even though this is sort of their ideological goal, they're really, they're, they're doing irreparable damage to our society, to our relationship with each other and the relationship that we have with the government in the process, all of it to, to push their own ideological ideas and to maintain power as long as possible. So I don't know, you know, politics is a very cynical business. I get it because it's a, it's a win at all costs game, right? If you don't win, you're out, doesn't matter. 
So you can either do what it takes to win or don't, or don't play. Like I get that, but man, have we fallen a long way? So yeah, the AR-15 is no different than any, any other centerfire semi-automatic rifle. It's no different. It's just the, the reason you see it in the United States, because I have to answer for this stuff all the time, right? But the only reason you see it down there is because it's a common rifle, like 11, 12 million of them down there. It's just common. If the CZ-858 was a common rifle down there, you'd see CZ-858 in these shootings. Nobody wants to know why these shootings are actually happening. Who cares about that? It's like, well, I'll use this to ban guns. So it's a very difficult conversation that way. Well, let's actually go down that rabbit hole, Rod, because uh, the whole reason we had a long gun registry back in the 90s was because of the whole polytechnique. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe that the that the shooter there was using a, like a Ruger Mini 14, which by no means is something that a soldier is going to take into the battlefield in 2023. So it's uh, I think you're right that it's that it's been ideological. And then there's a lot of uh, firearms that well, people like me as a sport shooter tend to use that would, I guess, I don't know, I guess if, if I was going to plan a mass killing, I wouldn't be taking, my, for example, my SKS or my bolt action 22, but there's, well, both of those are on the list. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's um, like the whole idea of the whole topic of multiple victim public shootings in Canada is, it's a very interesting topic. And it, I think to truly understand it requires a, a lot of, um, a lot of effort, right? So um, I'll give you one thing to think about. The very first school shooting in, in Canadian history was the Brampton school shooting in Brampton, Ontario. And the results were very similar to other multiple victim shootings at the time. And it was a student, 16 year old with a lever action. And I believe it was a shotgun and a 22. So, but no, there was no uproar about banning guns when that school shooting happened. Right. Because it's like, well, these are just common guns that anybody can guns can be dangerous. You know, they launch every gun launches a projectile and that projectile can be used to hurt a person. So at the end of the day, you know, we we you know, we acknowledge as an organization that there has to be some regulation around firearms. We just don't want to make it easy for people to just roll into a store and buy one. But at the same time, it has to be acknowledged that firearms are a very important aspect of Canadian culture and a feature of free and equitable societies, right? Slaves don't have guns. Citizens do, right? So it's very important in a free country that, yeah, there's a little bit of danger. Well, there's a little bit of danger in people being able to drive a car anywhere they want, as fast as they want. And, and you know, I, 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 will, I will be, uh, I'll tell you, I am tired <laughs> of all the analogies, right? You don't ban cars, do you? It's like, I'm tired of that, right? Just because I've heard it so many times. But the thing is, you can you can buy a car that does 220 kilometers an hour off the lot. Like even an economy car will do that, right? Nobody nobody's suggesting that we need governors. Nobody's suggesting that all cars be banned, or you can only or we lower the speed limit to 30 kilometers an hour, which would eliminate highway deaths in the entire country by 100%. Nobody's there. We're saying you can buy what you want as long as it's got signals and whatnot. You abide by the regulations when you go out, when you color outside those lines. We come down on you. And people are allowed to own these things because we we understand that it's important. So it's really it's a very similar situation with guns. Yeah, actually, let's uh let's let's go down that path for a minute, Rod. Sure. That I know that people have tried to make that that comparison before. But you register your car, so why don't you register your guns? Now, first of all, firearms owners, as we all know, are much more heavily scrutinized just as far as 
how we go about getting our licensing. We take the course, we have to do the practical exam. And we're, you know, in the case of Lewis, myself, probably yourself, Rob, we're vetted every 24 hours through CPIC. And I've heard people over and over say, oh yeah, well you register your car, register your gun. Well, what happens to a handgun when you, when you pass on? It doesn't just go to your next of kin, the government takes it, correct? Yeah, with no compensation, they'll, they'll seize it and destroy it. Right, I mean, they, they never destroy do... them. Nobody owns one handgun, almost nobody. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's just ridiculous that the restrictions they will put a gun owner through that car owners don't go through. So I mean, you're comparing apples to oranges. So I'm really glad that you, uh, you brought that point up. So, uh, uh, Lewis, did you have something before I go on? Uh, yeah, actually, I just really wanted to get on to um, the purpose behind uh, the conversation today, and that is the repealment of those two amendments and what that actually means for uh, Canadian firearms owners going forward. And what does it mean for, uh, you know, our PAL holders, you know, the PAL holders with the restricted um, uh, covenant on it that, that allows them to possess and own a handgun. But uh, that part, the handgun part, is not affected by this repealment of those two amendments. But all these other firearms, such as the SKS and, and, uh, and the other uh, rifles and shotguns that were covered under those amendments, what does it mean for those those people, Rod? Well, it means that your your SKS is probably safe for a few weeks, because we don't know what other amendments are going to be introducing, right? And 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 no one can give us that information because it's it's illegal to divulge that information before it's introduced into the committee. So who knows what's coming? But even if Bill C twenty one passed without any further amendments that resembled the two that were that were withdrawn. Um, the RCMP can continue to do what they've done, which is, hey, we've got a bolt action rifle here that's already prohibited. Well, the Remington 700 is clearly a variant of this bolt action rifle, right? As it's got a bolt, you got to put back and forth and the, you know, the case, the spent casings ejected out the side, like yeah. this, this got to be prohibited. It's a variant, right? And, you know, we've seen this, you know, this has been a problem for so long. If you're a gun owner, you know, that it's been a problem forever. So, um, We'll have to see. At the at the end of the day, Bill C-21 is going to make its way through the entire process if there's no election, right? It's because an election kills all bills. But if the if the liberals hang on, it'll make its way through the legislative process. We'll see see things pop up. Um, but at the end of the day, it's we have to look at what Bill C-21 is when it comes out the other side and receives royal assent. And that's how we can judge exactly what effect it's going to have. Now, Tony and I have our own theory on this, and that is that we think that this was planned all along. This to to pull to repeal those two amendments and and uh, make it look like the Liberals are listening. Uh, they knew what kind of uproar it would cause, um, and uh, by repealing it, they're they're listening to the public, and then this is going to form their basis for an election in the spring. And that it'll be fought over gun control. Well, I don't think gun control is is the winning issue that it, it used to be for them. Um, I think uh, I think Canadians have had a really good hard look at the Liberals recently, and just how how disastrous and disastrously immoral they are. Like these are bad people, you know. Like I won't mince, mince words about them. I haven't had to interact with these people. These are bad people. 
And I think uh, most Canadians are, are waking up to that. Um, as, so I think, and I mean, you know, I can only speculate about these things because I don't really know. I can't some, somehow crawl into the head of somebody that would believe the liberals about anything. But I think it's important. Um, I think we're, we're, we're reaping this very small victory because we forced a larger conversation about firearm ownership and its relationship or lack thereof with violent crime. I think that the more that we talk about this, the more the average Canadian says, well, I don't understand how Rod and his gun, why is Rod getting his stuff taken away? You know, while the criminals just keep shooting everybody. And, you know, it's not like everybody just gets guns in Canada. It's highly regulated. And I heard that they get a criminal record check every 24 hours. Liberals never told me that. They can only shoot a handgun at a range anyway and, and, and drive only to and from there and keep it in a safe at home. They didn't say anything about that. How does that affect criminals? Like even... Even the people, the less intellectually fortunate among us are, are getting, are, you know, are starting to get an education. And that doesn't come from us following that same pattern. Because when I first got guns, which wasn't that long ago, about 15 years ago, you know, my understanding of what you do as a gun owner is you keep your mouth shut. You don't talk about guns. You don't let anybody know you have them. You just don't just keep your head down and everything will be fine. You know, and this is what led us to this point. We have a, a, a population that has that are completely susceptible to this BS from from liberals and from liberals and NDP and block and the two greens as well. Right. So anyway, I think I think really getting into this conversation, pushing it out into the into the uh, the national discussion has, has helped us. And like we're going to continue to do that, which is I think is going to be a benefit. And I think people just know more about it and it's not going to be as advantageous for them in, in the coming election. Yeah. And I, sorry, Tony, I just want to get one point in here was that, that uh, you're, you're absolutely right about, about the general public, because I mean, the general public, unless you actually have taken part in shooting sports or in hunting or firearms ownership of any kind, you really, most people are pretty ignorant uh, as to the realities of gun ownership in Canada. Um, I mean, I, I've made a lot of uh, statements on this show over the years uh, regarding what is legal and what is illegal for a, for a Canadian gun owner to do, um, especially with, you know, around the use and ownership of, of a handgun in Canada. And a lot of people had no idea that stopping for gas on the way to the gun range is technically illegal if you have your, your handgun in the car. Um, taking the, you know, driving uh, a route to the gun range that is not the shortest route is technically illegal, right? Like there's, it's really, really strict as if those rules are going to stop somebody from committing a crime anyway. But it's, the thing is, is that in Canada, it's not licensed gun owners that are committing these crimes. It's not people who own handguns, because I mean, I've had several people tell me, well, you don't need a handgun. What do you need a handgun for? Like, we should just ban them. They're, they're bad. We shouldn't have them. What do you need it for? And, I, and I'm like, well, it's not a matter of need. Because there's a lot of stuff we have in our lives that we don't need. And this is a matter of being free. And living in a country that has respect for me as a citizen, and 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 under the Trudeau 
liberals over the past seven, well, seven plus years now, I feel like we're not respected at all. Like not at all. I'm also a small business owner. So it, it, uh, I've been feeling it from day one because Trudeau said, you know, back in the, in the, uh, 2015 campaign, yeah, he you're said tax that, cheat. that we were tax cheats, <laughs> that we, that, that small businesses were just a way for wealthy people to hide their money. And so as soon as that happened, I turned to my wife and I said, he's coming after us. Right. And lo and behold, he did. And now they're coming after us as firearms owners. They're coming after us as taxpayers. I mean, you see it every day. I mean, right now we're seeing all kinds of things coming out from, you know, CRA not going after the fraudulent uh, uh, COVID payment payments that people were receiving. I mean, $19 billion worth, right? So there's, they just show a very, a, a lack of respect of any kind towards Canadians as people and as citizens. Yeah. 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 Go okay. ahead, Tony. So, um, yeah. So, so Rod, you're, uh, you're, I guess, uh, associate Tracy Wilson. Uh, she has a, uh, a pinned tweet at the top of her Twitter profile, which I just love. It's a, it's a meme of a Wendy, and I'm going to pronounce her name wrong on purpose, Wendy Kookier, because she makes the kookiest statement possible mm -hmm. when she says that legal uh, firearms owners are the most dangerous because they go to the range and they practice and they essentially because they have good aim. What she forgets is that legal gun owners aren't the problem. Now, uh, Rod, you'll know the stats much better than, than we will on this, but uh, of all the, the gang shootings that have gone on in Toronto the last few years, it, it's a, a very, very small fraction of them were actually legal uh, handguns that were bought in Canada, correct? Like the overwhelming majority are from the US, right? Yeah, of course. And, and so going back to how you tie legal gun owners to firearm-related violence in order to justify ridiculous things like Bill C-21 and the, the May 1st gun ban, um, is you just, you got to find some link. So mass shootings are one because about half of the 15 mass shootings in Canadian history, um, or seven of them, depending on how you, it depends how you define them, right? If it's four people or more, not including the perpetrator, then there's like seven in Canadian history, or if it's three, um, not including the perpetrator, then there's 15. So, um, about half of those were licensed gun owners. Well, that's, you know, that's, that's tragic, but that's seven people out of probably the 4 million people that held a license over that same period. We're talking, you know, one ten thousandths of 1%, right? That doesn't, that's, that's cold comfort, comfort for anyone who's has a family member who was shot in a multiple victim public shooting, but we have to be, we have to be honest with ourselves, right? We have to be reasonable. So, cause if that's the, if that's the, the, the uh, the yardstick that we're measuring everything in in our society with oh man <laughs> you know we're all going to be locked in our <laughs> homes no knives nothing right with plastic knives eating our you know so we, you know we have to be reasonable but one of the other things that they they bring up is like well law-abiding gun owners guns end up in the hands of criminals and it's like well yeah that's that's true sometimes they do so um it's funny if you go to the government's website i forget what the address was but it was part of their big campaign to villainize legal gun owners right but they came out with their uh, their their website and it was like, here's the ways that criminals get their guns. And the number one way, the first one was straw purchasing. 
and then <laughs> stolen guns and then illegally imported or something like this. And, and I'm just like, what you, why would you put that first? Right. Because straw purchasing is like literally what I actually have a qualified number for that. It's something like seven one thousandths of 1% of gun owners have engaged in straw purchasing that we know of over the last 22 years, seven so one thousandths of 1%. Okay, so isn't, isn't it just one instance? No, we think there's around 50 instances of that. Okay. Okay. Out of the possible 3 million people that held, held a license between, um, between 2008 and 2020, or no, 2010 and 2000. No, anyway, 22 year period. I have a video on it. Um, I'm getting okay. old, but uh, <laughs> old and tired, right? But anyway, straw purchasing really isn't a thing. And, and you know what? If I want to st stop straw purchasing, if I was in charge, I'd be like, okay, listen, if, you know, like there's a couple of things you'd have to do. The Canadian Firearm Safety Corps should have more emphasis on law and what your social responsibilities as a gun owner, going, uh, what they are, right? Your social responsibilities are. That's number one, because I teach the course, right? I ran 3,000 people through it. And there's not enough of that. There's too much breath control and all this stupid stuff. It's like, learn that at the range, bud. Take a course. You need to know how what what the responsibilities of a legal gun owner are. So yeah. educate people. Put that mandatory minimum in three years, three three years to ten years is what you should get mandatory minimum. Tell people that in advance. Make them sign a waiver. Hey, I understand that I'll get three years mandatory minimum for purchasing a firearm for someone else. And throw the book at these people. Put them in jail forever. If you sell a, a gun, if you buy a gun with your license, sell it to a criminal, go to jail forever. But anyway, that's how you fix that. End of story. There's no gun ban required. And then you have stolen guns. Stolen guns represent, and, and it varies um, from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. Sometimes stolen guns are half of the guns, crime guns, as it were, that are, are uh, seized in, in certain jurisdictions. But overall, it's about 70 to 80% imported firearms, illegally imported, that are, are um, used in crimes to anywhere from 10 to 20% domestically sourced through theft. So theft is the biggest, you know, domestic sourcing. But the thing is, it's like, well, what's, what's your solution? You're going to ban all guns. So there's no guns for criminals to steal rather than to stop criminals. That's property crime, right? It's like, well, in, you know, rather than to, to work really hard on property crime and stop these people or work on the demand side, why are people stealing guns? What do they need guns for if they're criminals, right? Don't work on those things, just ban all guns. So there's less of less property to steal. So it doesn't make any sense whatsoever that the, the, the solutions don't make any sense. But again, they push these things to make that connection between licensed gun owners and firearm related violence. And that gives them the, you know, the, uh, the ability to say, well, hey, you know, we need to ban guns and here's our legislation. And people that don't know much about it will go along with it. So a long story short, these are the things that we have to combat. You know, it's the it's we have to raise awareness and teach people about firearm ownership, why people own guns. And that these ridiculous idea of bans and whatnot is not going to increase public safety, and it hasn't too, by the way. Yeah, well, yeah, and, um, and you've and you've got. Uh, I I think you know honestly that our regulations are pretty good as they were. Um, I mean, the the Nova Scotia shooter had he couldn't he wasn't legally allowed to buy guns in Canada, and he didn't. The guns that he used, they came, he bought, he went, he, he actually got them down in the States and smuggled them back across the border himself. Our gun laws worked. They prevented him from getting guns in Canada. They worked. 
but it was our border that was the problem not our gun laws but they used that to go after those of us that that are licensed firearms owners in this country and that's just wrong it's it's like you said before that it's it's evil it's bad like it's yeah. Well, of course they used it. You know, it's it's uh, these these are not good people. They looked at all that death and destruction in in uh, in Nova Scotia. I mean, I had family members of victims calling me, calling me on my cell phone, saying, you know, you got to You're the only one that can stop uh, stop them from taking our guns. You know, this is not how this happened. It wasn't. He didn't have legal. I'm like, I'm a nobody. I can't I can't stop anything. I mean, I was a, a participant that had standing in the commission. And I made my speeches and submitted my report and all the rest of that stuff. But, you know, it was, yeah, he, he got all his firearms from across the border. Um, he registered for Canadian firearm safety course, took the course, passed the course, but never, never um, applied for a license. So for him, he's like, why would I pay 60 bucks or 80 bucks, right? For the both licenses and wait and get scrutinized. I'll just go across the border and get him. Like it wasn't even. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, that's getting a license here is too much trouble is way easier for me to go smuggle guns. Yeah. And, and well, and, and we also now have the problem of 3D printed guns and no firearms like ban is going to stop that from happening. Well, no, and it's not the only place that criminals get firearms either, right? So they can manufacture them. You can manufacture actual steel guns. It's not illegal to have a CNC machine, right? You can manufacture your own guns like full on AR-15s, that's completely possible. And nobody's ever gonna know that. Um, but you can import firearms as well. You can steal them from police. You know, we, we saw a report there, a freedom of information request back a few years ago where there, there's like 200 guns that police have lost that showed up, you know, or that, that were reported lost. The military loses guns. You know, I mean, if you want guns bad enough, you will find them. I mean. Yep. You know, methamphetamine has been illegal in Canada for a long time, and it's not very hard to find that anywhere. Well, so, especially in Vancouver now. Yeah, well, no kidding, right? It's, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Somebody somebody uh, uh, sent me a meme. A buddy of mine sent me a meme just like <laughs> like literally 20 minutes or half an hour ago, and it had a picture of a, of a plastic straw and a line of cocaine, and it said, one of these is illegal in, in, Vancouver, in British Columbia. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Yeah. Um, So, Rod, where where do you and the CCFR go from now, uh, from this point now? I mean, this is only like winning one round out of a out of a 12 round fight. Um, Where do you go from now from here? Well, Bill C-21 in its entirety needs to be withdrawn. So we will keep smashing the government in the face every opportunity we can. We will keep embarrassing them. We'll keep provoking that uh, that uh, national conversation around firearm ownership. Um, and I think one of the most important things we're doing is taking action uh, during an election process. So we don't know when election will be called. The liberals still have almost three years left in their mandate, if you want to call it that. Right? It's like uh, September September 2025 is the uh, is the next election you know that needs to happen by law but if they were to call an election earlier than that that would give us an opportunity to uh, to really take it to them um, in an election so for example because at the end of the day and I'll tell you why I'm saying this rather than <clears throat> run around circles at the end of the day the only way to solve our problem in our system is to get rid of the liberal government 
or the NDP, right? We need to get these people out of power. So the conservatives are the only friend that gun owners have that have a chance of winning, right? Because at very minimum, we need a minority government. A minority government can uh, repeal the May 1st gun ban. They can repeal the, right now at least, they can repeal the handgun ban. Some people are like, call it a freeze. It's not a freeze, it's a ban. Um, those are the, those two things can be done by, can be repealed by a minority government. So an election is really, really important in our system. A government that's in charge can do whatever it wants, like literally whatever it wants. And we've, that's been demonstrated. You can sue them. If you want to spend $2 million, like we have, it's, it's not even done. I think we're around 2.2 million. You know, you can do that. If, and we're fortunate that we're in a position to do that. But other than that, they can do whatever they want. So we need to get rid of them. That's the, the number one priority. So we're, um, if, if I can, I can tell you what we're planning for the election, at least what I can tell you. Yeah, of course. All right. Well, in the last election, we distributed uh, 240,000 um, eight-page brochures about all the, all the uh, liberal parties' corruption and incompetence and how they've hurt the country and all the rest of that stuff. Uh, we're going to be expanding, probably doubling the size of that brochure, and we're going to distribute 500,000 of them to the doorsteps of Canadian households in uh, battleground ridings. Uh, we're going to be doing um, an ad campaign. Uh, we, last time we did CTV, TSN, uh, some iHeartRadio um, uh, broadcasts. And uh, and yeah, so anyway, we're, we're gonna double that, uh, um, that budget. And we're going to uh, produce, um, this is kind of an interesting thing, right? We're producing at least 20 two minute and, two minute and 20 second videos along with like a hundred memes, but 20 videos detailing each one of them, highlighting a single um, liberal scandal. So whether it's SNC-Lavalin, whether it's, you know, how they treat firearm owners, whether it's, you know, any of these scandals, how they handled COVID or whatever, right? We, we cherry scandal, you name it, there'll be a, a, a dedicated video and we will be distributing these for people to download on their own computers. So we can have thousands and thousands, maybe 10,000 people distributing these pieces all over the internet. You've seen some of our videos, they're really nice, right? The digital ones. Yeah. So um, between all of those things, the, the gun lobby in Canada, a small group of people in the gun lobby will move the needle for sure. That coupled with the, with um, hopefully the majority, I'm hoping, the majority of Canadians coming to the conclusion, like I don't think a government of a G7 nation should be gaslighting citizens day in and day out every day of the year. Hopefully they're sick of it. With all that together, maybe we can put these liberals back to where they belong, which where they were like three election cycles ago, four election cycles ago, where they had 34 seats, the lowest number of seats they had ever had in the history of elections in Canada. That's our goal. So beat up on them for Bill C-21. Keep this conversation going on the national, the national conversation on, um, on firearms, and then be ready for an election to, uh, to smash them when we have the chance. Okay. So Rod, um, how can we help? How can uh, the citizens of Canada help? Why, what's, your, what's your website? How do we get in touch with you? And what, what more can we do to support you? Well, our website is firearmrights.ca, firearmrights.ca. Uh, you can also get there by typing, typing in ccfr.ca. Uh, you can become a member of the CCFR if you want to, uh, or you can donate. That's totally fine. Um, the ideal situation for, you know, just from my opinion, is that if a lot of people do just a little bit. Right now, it's a handful of gun owners, typically sports shooters and a handful of hunters as well, that are donating all the money and doing all the work. 
So it's better if a lot of people do just a little bit, like a membership in our organization is 40 bucks a year. You get $5 million worth of insurance uh, as well. So in case you shoot yourself or destroy property or whatever, if you're shooting or you're outdoors or whatever, that you're covered, that kind of thing, covered at your range. Um, but, uh, but yeah, if, if people want to become a member or donate, that's uh, where we will gladly accept the help uh, because the, the stronger we are as an organization, the more projects like I just described we can do. Fantastic. So it's firearmsrights.ca or firearm rights? Firearm. One firearm, many rights. That's how someone made me remember it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So firearmrights.ca or put uh, CCFR into your favorite search engine and you will find the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights. Rod, it was great meeting you today and uh, don't be a stranger. Come back, talk to us anytime. That sounds great. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, right, well, thank, thank you, Thank you so much for coming on such short notice. Okay, Canada, that's Rod Giltaka. He is the CEO of the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights. Thank you so much for joining us, Canada, and we will talk to you again soon. This is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. Good night. Good night, Canada.